In typical Patch Chapel style, we begin with hearing the Word of God. The Word of God in Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. Psalm 119, 9 through 16 says this. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Verse 12. Lord, may you be blessed. Teach me with your statutes. With my lips I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal generously with your servants so that I might live. Then I will keep your word. Open my eyes that I might... uh, Contemplate wondrous things from your instruction. I am a resident alien on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. Would you please stand with us as we begin with our opening hymn? Hymn number 21. Hymn number 21. Well, welcome again, everybody, to the Humble Patch Chapel here in Stuttgart. If I haven't met you, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the volunteers here. And we just want to welcome you. We we want to create an environment, a community where you walk in this place every Sunday, you feel the warmth and the welcoming of God. That's, what, that's the kind of God we believe we worship. So when you came in, you should have received a, a bulletin. Does anybody have one of these? If you do not have one, you can just raise your hand and we can get one to you. We do this for several reasons. One, we want to let you know what's going on in the life of our chapel and our community. So first things here, the, if you look at the, the handout, we have a National Day of Prayer. And this breakfast is uh, it's at it's it's here at Patch, and our guest speaker is a very very uh, famous person in this chapel. Where's Chaplain Porter? Right there. He'll be our guest speaker. Uh, free breakfast and free and prayer. So it's a good it's a good deal. Okay. Uh, every May we, we go through this. Uh, it's a wonderful season where we get to say farewell to our graduates. So on Sunday, May 21, we're going to honor our graduates, and all families who have a graduate, please speak with uh, Chaplain Brian or, or one, of the, one of the chaplains here. It's going to be a special day where we honor you and, and send you off, send you off into, into the next chapter in your life. Also, uh, this is the, you know, the military life. We, we go through this cycle all the time where we say hi to people. We hail and farewells. And as we approach the PCS season, there's going to be a mass exodus in this place, and we will, will, will there be a lot of crying, and there'll be a lot of tears, and it's just something that, that we have to do. And the juice is always worth the squeeze. You know, we, we do this in the name of freedom, and we do this in the name of, um, you know, the warfighters are, are, we're enjoying the freedoms that are courtesy of the military and their families. So with that, uh, the first of the month, we will, if you, please let us know if you're PCSing, first of all. And the first of the month, we would just like to, for you to come up and we want to bless you. We want to send you off the right way. Okay? So let us know. Next, uh, financial peace. Uh, there was an email that was sent out by, by Sock Year. Uh, there's a financial piece that you heard of Dave Ramsey. So it's a, it's a 10-week course. 
and it includes dinner but no childcare. And if you want to sign up, right here on the on the uh, bulletin. It's a good course. I, I've 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 heard a lot about it. We've yet to do it, but people have lives have changed through through getting their finances squared away. Okay, and it, it's faith based as well. Another thing we enjoy every summer is Vacation Bible School. Is everybody excited about Vacation Bible School? Yes. Especially this year because we're not doing a prepackaged one. It's something that, uh, that uh, Pastor Eric has, and, and the team has put their minds together. And it's something that's going to be biblical, talking about Jesus as prophet, priest, and king. So it's something that's very near and dear to, to our hearts here. It's going to be a very special VBS. Uh, please mark the dates on your calendar, July 31st through August 2nd. Another announcement here is uh, we're looking for if so in the back in the back we have a, a list of things that you can all volunteer for and from the amount of people in here there's we have a lot we have the love can go around and one of one of the things that we want to highlight is is someone to to help lead our congregation in music someone who's got that gift that wants to be up here and just say you know open up the hymns to him twenty one and they could they could lead us so please pray about that if that's something you want. Um, we, it would be greatly appreciated. And then just take a look at everything else we have for, for women's ministry, for men's ministry, and, and really be praying about whether or not, you know, this might be a season in your life where you, where you say, you know, I need to go deeper in my faith. I want to be part of a small group. They are there. Okay, please stand with me as we sing our next uh, hymn. That's going to be on the PowerPoint.
going to now call up our uh, scripture reader for today's scripture reading. Good morning. The Old Testament scripture reading for today comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, verses 22 through 28. Ezekiel 36, 22 through 28. Verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. The New Testament reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. Romans 8, chapter, uh, Romans 8 verses 1 through 17. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation but it is not to the sinful nature, to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, 
if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we also may share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. I could call the, the ushers up for our offering. It takes a lot of courage to come up here and read scripture, so, so we thank you for our youth leading the way. And uh, it's another thing we have, if you would like to read scripture, come and, and uh, volunteer for that. Please rise as we sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above guys. Praise Father, Son, Please be seated. As we transition into our, our uh, time of worship by hearing the teaching of the Word of God, um, we start off with prayer. There you go. This is our new series. Ephesians and our identity in Christ. Uh, this morning, this is one of my, my favorite days of the week is because it's such a peaceful and calm time. And uh, Jeanette and I, we, we sit down in the morning and we do, we have this moment we call a pause. We just pause and we pray and we journal and we listen to uh, poor Bishop Hooper, that guy that just writes, his guy and his wife that writes psalms every morning. Just, just a peace, peaceful time. And we pray in, in concentric circles uh, for, for our family, for this community, and for our work community, and then larger, larger and larger. But we pray in, in concentric circles. But this morning, uh, the prayer I want to I want to reemphasize. We, you've heard it many times. Uh, it's by C.S. Lewis. Is really inspiration around it. It's two questions, and the two questions. Uh, it's it's so I ask myself this every day, so that I put it in my little my little mug here. But the two questions is, if you see there on the top, who's in control? And the second question is, to whom shall I listen to today? C.S. Lewis thought of this. He said every day when he wakes up. He feels like these animals are rushing at him, and he's got to 
push them back in their cage, and then start his day. So uh, this, this prayer is pretty simple. It's just two questions. And, and the, the answer to the first question is the answer to the second question. I don't know how many times I've, I've walked around, and this is one of the number one questions. I, I, uh, Kelly can answer this as well as Eric, but they, ever, has anybody ever gone up to you and said, hey, chaps, what's the, what's the word of the day? Give me a good word for the day. And this is what I always say. I always say, here's the good word for the day. God is in control, so I don't have to be. And I control nothing around me except for my own attitude and the way I react to things. So that's the good word. We can relinquish the, the, uh, the illusion of control. And then I just walk, I walk away and they go like, oh, that was, that was deep. It's not deep. It's just scripture. Okay? God's in control. So let's pray. Would you, would you pray after me? Would you repeat this after me? Dear Lord... Who is in control? And to whom shall I listen to today? Lord, thank you that you are in control. And that I get to listen to you today. Amen. I'll call Pastor Eric to give us the word of God. Well, if you are joining us um, for the first time in this chapel, again, I want to welcome you. I, like Ryan said, every time he gets up and begins, welcome. You are welcome. This is a place of learning and growth and a, a safe place where uh, we want you to learn. We want you to and worship um, our true and living God. Um, if you've been away um, for the past couple of weeks, too, that's okay. Welcome back. Glad to have you back again, too. Uh, we are in... Um, the third week of our teaching series in the book of Ephesians. Um, it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and his letter, this letter that as you read it, I want you to remember that you're, writing, you're reading the evidence of a changed man. Ryan, can you show that slide of the, the walkway here? This is the road where the Apostle Paul likely walked when he went to Ephesus, still exists today. Um, it goes from the city center down to the port, which no longer exists, but it's there. And Paul um, was born into a citizenship that is like us in many ways. Um, he was given opportunities to travel and privileges. Um, he could move. He had the legal rights of a citizen of Rome, which was the world's most powerful government at the time. And Paul, because he was born into citizenship at this time in his life, he had the opportunities to get high-quality education. You can read it from his own writing. He stuttered under this man named Rabbi Gamaliel. He's one of the leading educators at this time. But sometimes, um, not all the time, but sometimes, if you notice in life, education, if you're not careful, can lead to arrogance. And Paul admitted to this in his own writing. His identity was grounded in being right, in being perfect, which led him, as he admitted to himself, he became a very angry and a very arrogant man. But the good news for all of us is that Paul's life was radically changed. And this is good news for us, who all of us 
who struggle with perfectionism and arrogance. And you can read the whole story for yourself in the book of Acts. If you get a chance, you like history. What changed Paul was the perfect patience of the Lord Jesus. He experienced grace. He experienced peace. And for to all of you, my educated, well-learned friends here today, yes, education matters. Finish the school year strong. But remember this. Knowing the perfect patience of the Lord Jesus changes you in ways education can never do. But fortunately, Paul was um, an educated man, and God used his education, his intellect, his legally trained mind in very profound ways. Um, God used Paul's mind not to trap Christians, which he was doing, but to train Christians. And in the Bible, as you know, there are 13 letters that Paul wrote to the early Christian churches. We have it preserved in the scriptures of us. Just to read, he, read a, he wrote a letter to Rome, right? Letter to the Romans. He wrote two letters, maybe more, to the church at Corinth, First and Second Corinthians. And he wrote a letter to Ephesus, which we have the book of Ephesians. But the very last letter that Paul wrote, we think he wrote it to a young pastor whose name was Timothy. Most historians believe this is the second letter, Second Timothy, which he wrote shortly before his death. And Timothy was a pastor in what town? Ephesus. Make the connection there. These are some of Paul's last words that he wrote to Timothy. See if you resonate with any of them from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writes this. Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of great difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, without self-control, not loving good, swollen, swollen like a grapefruit in conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And this one is so dangerous. I like this one. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. But then after, Paul gives Timothy this advice. Listen to this. Especially those of you who are students, firming up your identity, trying to be successful in the next chapter of your life. This is what Paul writes next. Mark these words. He says, So continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he clarifies. He says, All Scripture... All scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be complete, mature, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 3, some of Paul's last words. So a question to all of you who are students here today. When you are eventually out on your own, 
when there's nobody there to wake you up in the morning on Sundays. When no one is there to pray with you face to face and encouraging you to read the Bible, will you? Want you? Would you? Will you seek out Christians for a gathering? Will that be important to you? It'll have to be on you. And it'll have to be totally your decision. And if you do, what kind of church will you look for? There are a lot of good qualities and kind of churches you should look for. Music is nice. Music is very important. Never forget, as I told the car this morning, music is the great teacher. It is, trust me. People. People are very important. Never forget the, the people you're around. It's important to be around people you like and who are fun. Of course, that's important in life. And the personality of your pastor, it's true. We all enjoy leadership. We all enjoy vision. We love good communication. But Paul does not mention this in his last words. He doesn't mention music. He doesn't mention friends. He doesn't mention the personality of your pastor. What he does say is this. He says, come back to the sacred writings. To the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. And then his last words I know you identify with this. He writes this. He goes, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They will have itching ears. Itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. That's right. You can find any teacher you want who will identify with the teaching of the itching of your ears. People will turn away from listening to the truth and wander, wander into myths. So, to all of the students here, wherever you go, wherever you go after Stuttgart, I hope you will take with you a love, a thirst for the word of God. I hope you will love Jesus in his own excellence of who he is. And I pray that the friendships you have wherever you go, the music that you find in your church, and the pastors that you have there will have a sincere love of the teaching of the scriptures. So that's why we're teaching through the book of Ephesians. So let's take a moment. Let's um, find a Bible near with, nearby if you can. Bring the, um, have, bring the, open the one that you brought with you if you have it with you. And join with me, please, in Ephesians chapter 1. As a reminder, um, Ephesians is located near the back of your Bible. Um, if you want to pull up the, the, the blue pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 827. And just as a reminder, we spoke about this last week, it's one of the teaching books that Paul wrote to the young Christian churches and explains in greater detail all that Jesus taught. Remember, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have eyewitnesses. But these teaching books, the epistles in the back of the Bible, can explain in greater detail all that he taught. Once you get to the first page of Ephesians, look over it. Uh, remember this from last week. Um, the first chapter of Ephesians is divided into two parts. After Paul's introduction, you have verses 3 through 14, words of praise. And then verses 15 through 23, which we'll begin to see next week, is a prayer. 
Paul, he models this for us so well. Um, he's a man of praise to God, and he's a man of prayer. To be a people of praise, to be people who are deep, thoughtful, prayer warriors, may that be us in Stuttgart. A short recap from last week, just to jog your memory. That first sentence that Paul wrote, a very long sentence, 130 words continuously in the Greek. And something I noticed this week, nowhere in those first verses is the word I to be found. You notice that? Isn't that nice? (laughs) It's kind of refreshing, isn't it, to find someone who isn't so preoccupied with himself. In fact, if you count them many times, he writes of God's name or refers to a pronoun of God, like in him in some ways, 30 times. If you are tired of thinking about yourself, if you're so tired of the self-focused madness that we have, Paul's first chapter in Ephesians is proof that God can change the way you see the world. One more proof of God's perspective. It's the skill and heart of holy people. I love this. Paul sees things from God's perspective. Men and women with changed hearts, people who are men and women of praise, this is the quality that we bring to the church, and that is to see things from God's perspective and his point of view. We read about this last week. Verse verse 4, God is the one who chose us. He is the planner. For those of you who are planners in your life, it's a very godly quality to be a planner. When did God choose us? Before the foundation of the world. Why did he choose us? To be holy and to be blameless. Mark those words. Please do underline them in your Bible. From God's perspective. He chose us to be holy and blameless. Not well-cultured, not well-traveled, not well-educated people. From God's perspective, he designed us to be holy and be blameless. It's It's a thought I've been thinking about since I read it last week, this past week. I hope you entertain the thought as yourself as well. Could we shift our thinking as God's people to align our values with God? to value holiness in the way that he values holiness. Do you remember that verse from James? Pure religion is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's holiness. So I reminded you, to all of you who are in the business of raising children, who are in the military, in, as a contractor, civilian, your worker as an ambassador for God, wherever you may be. Those of you who are leadership in ministry possessions, in ministry positions, wherever they be, holiness. If we call ourselves God's ambassadors and ministers, holiness, it is his value. May that be ours as well. Again, a reminder from last week, too, we saw things from God's perspective. We saw his plan. 
Through Jesus, a plan for adoption. Through Jesus, a plan for redemption. You are of great worth. Trust what you've read in the book of Ephesians. You are worth more than you know. God bought you. He redeemed you. He placed this value on you. And that value is the blood of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Can you think of anything more valuable in the universe than the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? That is how much, from God's perspective, maybe not yours, but from his perspective, that is how much you're worth. And then this word from last week, lavish. That means that God is extremely, extremely generous. You remember the parable that Jesus spoke, don't you, about a master who forgave a servant of 10,000 talents. A talent, your reminder, is 20 years' worth of work. It would have taken hundreds of thousands of years to pay back that debt. There's no hope of paying it off. But God has lavished forgiveness upon us. Read it in the scriptures. He's excessively forgiven you of all of your debts and trespasses, the missteps, the bad decisions you've made, past, present, and future in your life, forgiven by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's lavish. Please remember about that from our Lord. He is lavish in the way he forgives us, he forgives and loves. So today, we pick back up in the scriptures here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. I'll read it here from the scriptures. It says, God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ, all things in heavens, all things in heaven and all things upon the earth. If by chance, You are one of the people who are burdened, frustrated, confused over this world and its lack of unity. If Christian doctrine and denominational differences are a sore spot in your life, if disunity has scarred you and hurt you, confused you, and alarmed you in life, write this down. Remember from the scriptures, God's plan from his perspective. He will unite all things in Christ. In his time. You've heard it. You've read it from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5. Every tribe, every nation, every language, every people. It's not based on your skin color, socioeconomic understanding. None of that. In chapter 2, when we get to Ephesians, Paul is going to speak about the specifics of this. How he is creating a new man. A new woman too, but a new man. In Christ, united under the cross. And not just a man, but a city a society of holy and blameless people united by the Lord Jesus. Today, I think the the mark of our teaching is this. I'd like to speak from verses 13 and 14, where Paul describes the one single mark that will unify and does unify those who are in Christ. It is the one distinguishable mark of those who are in him, in Christ. And this, in case you're curious, is the evidence that God says that you belong to him. 
I hope you remember this, because I know there will come a time in your life when your feelings and your emotions will get the best of you, when times when you don't feel like you belong, when the sin of this world will feel like, I cannot recover. There are times I know when you will go away to college or to your gap year, whatever you do next in your trade school, when you will be away from home and you feel like your emotions, you feel like you're not a Christian. But I want you to remember and come back to Ephesians chapter 1. Because by God's authority, not your feelings, you will learn how God marks you and makes you a very real part of God himself. So let's read it together. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Paul writes, In him, it's in Christ Jesus, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. What is the mark shared by all Christians? What is the seal? What is the guarantee? It is the Holy Spirit. It's these two things that we give our focus to today, the seal and the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. When I think of a seal, I think of two things. The first thing is this, a seal and a stamp. Stamp of approval, it's like a wax stamp on a seal, on a letter that says, I wrote this. I created this letter. In the same way, through the Holy Spirit, it's God's way of saying, I created this. This belongs to me. Next So I'm from the West, grew up in Arizona, the desert, you know, say the Grand Canyon, Mogollon Rim. I am not a cowboy, but I got a little cowboy blood in me. My dad wasn't a cowboy, but my dad was a fireman. And my dad used to race around the city of Phoenix on fire engines like a cowboy might ride on a cow or a horse. But my grandpa was a cowboy. He often wore a cowboy hat. He had a bolo tie with turquoise in it. He had bought property up in northern Arizona by Payson and Christopher Creek, if you know the area. He would, uh, he would I guess, harmonica. He would uh, sing, oh, home, home, home on the range with deer and the antelope. He was really good at that, especially around the campfire. And for those of you who have a little cowboy blood in you, when I think, and hopefully you think, of the seal you might think of a brand. And when I think of the brand, I think of the branding, the sealing of the Holy Spirit upon us. Because a brand tells you its owner. A brand tells you to whom you belong. And I admit, a brand is painful. But so is leaving the world and identifying with a new maker. It is often painful. But a brand also shows protection. It says, I will feed you to this horse. I will care for you. I will keep you safe. 
But the way this analogy falls short is this, because we brand on the outside. But the Holy Spirit brands our soul on the inside. This image of branding, though, it is what the, Holy, it was what the Apostle Paul even used to describe himself. If you turn back just one page to the last verse of Galatians, this is a verse that caught my eye when I was a young believer, and I've read the Bible growing up myself, but when I think when God really just opened my eyes to really want to follow Jesus, this last verse in the book of Galatians somehow just got infused with my eye. It's verse 17, and it says, Paul writes, he goes, From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Paul is probably referring to the scars and the lashings that he had on his back. He's speaking about persecution here too, but on the inside, on the inside, I think Paul would definitely agree he was sealed like you, like every believer, with the Holy Spirit, marked as one of God's own people. In verse 14, this is what we read, that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. For those of you who've bought a house, for those of you who ever made a down payment, you've paid a deposit, you paid a guarantee. Both your down payment, your down payment and your deposit, with that you made a contract. And it gave you a legal right to what you own in that house. But in the same way, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit to the believer. It is God's down payment. It is his promise. It is a contract that we legally, in heaven, belong to him. Next slide, Ryan. There's even a better word picture, though, that is even more accurate to this text. It's understood by every one of you who wears a ring on your hand, especially those of you who wear a wedding ring. Because the Greek word in this text here, the word for guarantee, is the word erebone. And an erebone is what everyone who lived in the first century would have referred to as an engagement ring or a promise ring. An erebone, the ring you had on you, it says you made a promise to something. And in the same way, to the Holy Spirit, given to God's people, it is God's, you might say, his, his ring to us. A promise ring. It's evidence of his commitment. His Holy Spirit marked on us. It says, I made a commitment to you. For those who of you who believe, this is for real. The Arabone. A guarantee. God's proof of his promise to us. Like I said, um, Paul does a very nice job of describing things from God's perspective. It's a quality of, I think, of astute people in life. You can see things from multiple perspectives. But Paul also flips, and he also sees it from a human perspective. We read this in our text. Verse 13. Read it again. In him, it's in Christ. 
when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit with these two specific conditions, hearing and believing. Nothing more. Don't complicate it. Don't add to the gospel. Don't change it and put on different conditions to it. And what is this gospel that Paul preaches? 1 Corinthians 15, he makes it so specifically and lovingly clear. He says, now I remind you of the gospel which I preached to you. I delivered it to you as of first importance. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried. It's true, we all carry this sin disease. Of course you do, I carry it, we all carry it. But Jesus has died in our place. He's taken the penalty, the death penalty that we deserve. Sin grieves God. But Christ died in our place. He took the penalty we deserve. And then Paul continues in 1 Corinthians, such a beautiful explanation. He says, Jesus was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That means it's fulfilled by prophecy. He appeared to Cephas. That's Peter's name in the Aramaic. And then he appeared to the 12, the 12 disciples. He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Love your history. Love the eyewitness account. Historical proof. Jesus has risen from the dead. Eyewitnessed by hundreds. So Paul does a great job of explaining the mechanics of what we believe. But I love John. The man after God's own heart. Because he captures Jesus, God's heart. You know this verse. For God loved, loved the world. He gave his only son. Whoever believes, there is the word. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And to all who received him, who believed in his name, there is believe in him. Whoever believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So, from a human perspective, hearing, believing it, making it your own. Love hearing from Paul, loving hearing from John as he records Jesus' words, but there's nothing better than hearing from the Lord Jesus himself. And I think Jesus sums up the gospel in just three words. It is finished. Justice has been satisfied. God's wrath has been satisfied. So, Jesus' words, he is alive. Consider him speaking directly to you. Truly, truly, whenever he emphasized truly, it really means it. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, believes him who sent me, has eternal life. He does not come into judgment. He's passed from death to life. 
And the proof? The Holy Spirit. A seal, a guarantee for you. As I mentioned the last two weeks we started the series, I wanted to take some time out of each of these sermon series to tailor it to those of you who are high school students, to those who are students who are graduating. Next week's May. we got about four or five weeks left. A question I want you to ponder today. Who owns you? To whom do you belong? Give it some thought. Don't answer it right away. Because everyone has opinion. Your future professors have opinion. Your parents have an opinion. Your roommates have an opinion. The media has an opinion. Everyone will give their opinion. To whom do you belong? A lot of people will quickly say, it's you. Uh, of course, uh, you. You own your own body. And to some degree, that is true. You are very responsible for how you care for your body. What you eat, what you eat, what you drink, what you digest, what you put into your mind through your eyes, it's on you. If you want to go to the gym or not go to the gym, <laughs> it's your decision. Take care of your body. What you listen to, the playlists that you put into your mind, if you decide to pierce your body, if you decide to draw ink on it, it is your decision. And we live in a super-sexualized world. Don't, don't think we don't. I would strongly, strongly encourage you to realize God's design for sexuality, for marriage. It is God's gift for marriage. But you are a steward of your own body. And you have to decide how you want to care for it. But try to see it from another perspective from God's perspective. Who gave you breath? This heartbeat. Where does it come from? This beautiful day out in Germany today. Where does that come from? And if you believe the gospel that was preached to you today, you have the seal. You have the guarantee that the Holy Spirit is part of you now. So, in other words, you belong to him. And what a privilege it is to belong to him. He will care for you. He will protect you, not in just this life, but after you take that final death life, that death, death breath, he will send you, he will use your body, your voice, your life in ways you cannot imagine. There are two things that are happening this coming week. I'd like to close it with this and just remind you about this. Um, the first, this is coming Tuesday. Um, this past year has been, I think, a tremendous year of growth for this group called PWOC, Protestant Women of the Chapel. If you go there to Panzer Chapel on Tuesday mornings, it is packed out. 50, 60, 70 ladies all together. They, they study together. They sing together. They fellowship together. They, some breakout groups pray together. They encourage each other. But this coming Tuesday is their last meeting of the semester. And we have the opportunity to install some of their new leadership for this coming year. 
simply asking this, would you pray for them? Pray for the ones who design the program. Pray for those who lead the music. Music teaches. Pray for those who design the budget. Budget is important. It's stewardship. Pray for the studies that they choose. Pray that they would remember Paul's words. Sound doctrine. To be grounded in the scriptures. Pray that God would guide this group and their leaders this coming year. And this coming Thursday, in many cities around the United States, many military bases, even right here in Stuttgart, we will pause to pray. Every American president since 1952, 1952, has signed a National Day of Prayer proclamation that on the first Thursday of May, we pause to pray. So here, on Patch, at the Swathian place, we'll have breakfast. We will pray in praise for God's glory through his name. We will pray for a nation. We will pray for the military. We will pray for families. We will pray for the next generation. We will have a humble guest speaker. But what matters most is not so much that you come to the event and check the block for coming to the event. What matters most is if we create a culture of prayer, habitual every day, part of our routine, praying for God's glory, praying for his help. To our students, to all of you who are here, I invite you to be a part of this prayer movement. We need your next generation to step up and be prayer warriors, and our generation has not. Let's close in prayer together. God in heaven, and through the Lord Jesus, we ask you would stir our hearts to see things from your perspective. Yes, of course. Help us in our understanding of all things. Help us turn to you by faith and see the seal, the guarantee of your Holy Spirit, which we carry. What a privilege it is to carry. For those wrestling with belief, give them strength. For those eager to respond to you, give them confidence to join this adopted family, this beautiful adopted family that has been growing ever since your time. So God, thank you for this Patch family. And we pray also for all the chapels here in Stuttgart, not just ours, but all of them too, the churches in our area too. Help us unite under the Lord Jesus. Be with us this day and each week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The hymn that we're going to sing, um, great words in each verses. I pray that you mean them as you sing them. Let's stand together. Hymn number 597. Take my life. Let it be consecrated to you.
Gordon. Um, it is quite a challenge, but I, I want to try it, and I want to give you the challenge to do it. I'm going to do it with you, but I, I'd like us to memorize a prayer out of the book of Ephesians. It comes from chapter 3, quality words to have in your mind. Let's, um, let's say it together as we close, okay? Take a second, find that bulletin on the back. Let's read it together. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. But according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power of the word of events, to him the Lord of the church, and Christ Jesus, for our organization.